You're listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, now part of the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Remember, always use your head. You look like a dude who should be pumping my fucking gas. This isn't doing it for me. There's, I'm not getting, in, I'm not getting enjoyment out of this. He was a before the bell rings all star. In the Finn uh, segment there. So let's give us a few seconds and then we'll start. I sh- Actually, I was recording that. Oh, good. <laughs> All right, everybody. It is Thursday night, July 13th, 2023. You are listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the Chairshot Radio Network. At thechairshot.com, where we remind you and encourage you to always use your head. Like I always do, I'm going to wrap around the room here, introduce this interesting cast of characters we've got here tonight. I'm going to start off with the man hailing from Cloud Nine and the Purple Haze, Bucky's tag team partner, a man destined to go through a barbershop window. Jason, how's your week going, sir? It's going wonderful, my friends. How are you, everyone else? It's exciting to be here. Uh, I'm having a hot and cold week. I talked to Rob a little bit about that at the at the pre-show before you jumped on. Uh, it's, we've got a lot going on at the house here. And from the Rob the Genius podcast, the minister of truth, the father of facts and figures, the deacon of data, the official shoot bear of the Mindless Wrestling podcast, and the man with the golden shovel, Mr. Rob, welcome back, sir. Thank you. Good to be back. And myself, I am the man with the award-winning and holy beard, DJ. Before we get started here tonight, I want to put over a couple of things. Um, one, Rob and I were out and about in the podcast universe this week, and uh, we had the pleasure of hooking up with EJ from the Earnestly Speaking podcast. He invited us on, and uh, we did a little episode with him that you can go listen to right now. You can find it you know, on Spotify if you want, or you can look him up, Earnestly Speaking I, actually, I don't know what his Twitter handle is, Rob. I, I always forget. I always forget it. But, you know, EJ's a great friend of the show. We've been on his show before as a, as a three-man team talking wrestling. But uh, this time, Rob and I got invited on to kind of basically give our top ten stand-up comedians. And it was a lot of fun. We had a good time with EJ. He's a great guy, great podcast host. And uh, it was interesting to see the the clash of, you know, the three of us and what we liked. But what was really interesting was is as we got closer into the top five, our lists started to line up a little more, you know, a little more together. You know, it was, it was, it was a neat, it was a neat thing. So go check that out on Spotify. It's the Earnestly Speaking podcast that is up there now. Great guy, Ernest is. Tell EJ we said hi. All right, so uh, we had we had a bit of heated discussion in in the podcast huddle here before the show started. Uh, Jason and I kind of got into it a little bit, and it it stemmed from uh, a report coming out today, and we're going to credit Fightful for this report. And we want to talk about this a little bit because this is something that we have been saying on this podcast for pretty much as long as AEW has been a thing. And you know, there was this big big. Uh, ideal ideology that AEW was going to be the just usher in a second attitude era. It was going to be the wild west. There people were going to get to do what they wanted. 
you know, you always hear so many times people are in WWE creatively, they're stifled and, you know, WWE whittles down their move set and they won't let them do this. And they won't let them do that. And everybody should go to AEW because they'll let them do whatever they want. And today the hammer came down and there, there's pretty much been a long list of things that either are no longer approved by AEW or things that you are going to have to get the okay on before you do them. And Mr. Rob has the list. I'm going to let Rob take over and just kind of go, you know, hit the bullet points. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about the why of this situation, because the why seems to be the big problem that people have. Okay. So this, this is a very kind of quick uh, synopsis here, rather than read through everything one at a time. Basically, all types of da- really dangerous spots people can drop on their anything people can drop on their head. Um, stuff like 450 and 360 moonsaults and um, any intentional bleeding, any uh, basically any type of weapons stuff, you gotta get approved. And then now um, injury spots or angles, um, any fighting in the crowd, <coughs> and any. Basically, any physicality is involving referees, managers, extra celebrities, or special guests. Um, basically, it's just a lot of just the you know the weapon spots, dropping people on their head, you know, uh, stuff off the top rope is really dangerous. Fighting in the crowd, all, just all that kind of stuff. You gotta get permission now, according to this report. And um, you know, like, and now there's a there's another thing a tweet that. This is this list of stuff that's supposedly banned. So now I don't know. Now this, I think this must. They may have. I don't know where they got this from. So this this part could be, you know, completely, you know, made up or whatever. But um, just unprotected chair shots in the back of the head, um, shots in the back of the head, and buckle bombs, seizure cells, um, bleeding in the crowd, taking drink and food from fans and touching fans. Okay, so. And that last one, of course, because remember MJF took a drink from somebody in Portland. Yeah, that ended up being kind of a big deal for them and not in the right way. <laughs> yeah. um, so, yeah, you know, like I said, we, we've been calling this for a while that this is was this is something that was eventually there's going to be some type of reckoning with this. Um, and we're not the only ones. I mean, people like Eric Bischoff have been saying this for a long time. Uh, people like Jim Cornette have been saying this for a long time that that eventually, you know, there's going to be a reckoning, and you know they're they're going to have to, you know, basically some of the stuff is going to get shut down. I mean, because you can't just do this, you you know, you can't just do this stuff and think nobody's going to have a problem with it. Or, eventually, the network and the sponsors were going to speak up. Yeah, and you know, and I think some of that is probably some of that, but also. I think I said this back probably two years ago. WWE, you know, just in the last several years, came out of a massive concussion um, lawsuit. And, you know, AEW is really not, at least at the time, wasn't high risk. WWE is an easy target. It's the biggest target in the room. They have the most money. They've been around the longest. AEW kind of flew below the radar because they were just getting started. There's no history with them. Somebody can't look back and say, hey, I took bumps for AEW 10 years ago, and now I have a concussion and post-concussion syndrome. They didn't have that. But if AEW is going to continue to exist as a company, 
they now put themselves at risk if they don't reel this stuff in now. Because how long before somebody who worked for AEW two years ago comes out six years down the road and said, yeah, I took a bad table bump back in, you know, 2021. And, you know, now I can't, you know, I can't, you know, make it through the day without having severe headaches or whatever the case may be. You know, it's so at some point the the, the bloom was going to fall off the rose with this. And I think it should have fallen off sooner than it did. Um, and Rob, I know I cut you off there. But we've got to protect the talent. And the talent is not always great at protecting themselves. Um, you know, I, I know this from personal, you know, experience being in the ring. It's it's a drug. You get out there and you just start performing and then you just keep doing and you do and you do and you do. And you don't always think about your limitations and you don't think 5, 10, 15 years down the road. You're thinking this crowd is hot. What's going to pop them? What's going to look good? Let me just go ahead and do it. And then, you know, you don't think about the fact that 15 years from now, your neck is going to be in a cage. And, you know, so, and while this is not a, this will never be a risk-free, I'll use the word sport, okay? I'll use the word sport. It's never going to be risk-free. But if we can minimize as much of the risk as possible, and still walk up to that line of believability, I'm here for that. I don't want any, but regardless of whether I like them as a wrestler or not, I don't want to see anybody hurt in that ring or have their careers shortened or have their lifestyle cut short because, you know, they made because they wanted to push it just a little bit further. You know what I mean? Right. And because, look, I mean, people get hurt doing routine stuff, right? I mean... Like, uh, we'll just, you know, uh, Darren Drozdoff, who just recently passed away. Remember, he got hurt. He and D'Lo Brown were doing a spot that they had done a million times. Yeah. And, you know, D'Lo's talked about this. Um, you know, and it just, it went bad one time. That's all it takes. You know, how many times had Owen Hart did that, done that pile driver? Owen Hart, I've seen Owen Hart do hundreds of pile drivers. But it was the one that he did on Stone Cold Steve Austin that effectively altered Steve Austin's career. Just, man, hey, we don't need to see this stuff. Like, I don't need to see. Like, I've never seen. Uh, this is what got uh, DJ started in, in the pre-huddle, and I'm sure we'll go down some side road. I never need to see a buckle bomb ever again. It's annoying every time I see it because it doesn't, with the level of fan I am, it doesn't. I don't go, oh, wow, they're selling. I'm like, wow, they kept their body under control while they were basically helpless. Good for them. Um, Like, I don't need to see these crushed pile drivers and stuff like that. Like, Kenny getting dropped on his neck the other day by by Osprey, it's like, we don't need this. We're not here. Kenny's response to that was hideously irresponsible. Yeah, I mean, he's just, I mean, bro, you spent a year on the shelf. Just getting your body right. right. And sorry, dude, you're not doing, you know, five live events a week and this and that. Yes, he has an incredible – I am mean, he's basically got the entire schedule of Monday Night Raw, Saturday SmackDown, whatever, whatever. I'm not saying that. But he's not doing, you know, house shows every night and all this stuff. You don't need to, like, pull out the biggest thing to ever big for every match. Um, and I'm very interested to see because I'm going 
to, ironically, blood and guts <laughs> at the TD Bank Garden. And I'm very interested to see, because a lot, and I mean, there's built right into this, this story here, of course, in every Fightful story, every single one is an escape hatch. And there's your escape hatch, unless approved previously by management. There's there's your escape hatch. Oh, no, they got that one approved. Okay, whatever. You know, it's blood and guts. We're still going to have a lot of shitty stuff happen. All right, whatever. But I am interested to see what happens over the next couple of months. I mean, obviously, the the Young Bucks are not going to stop doing the Meltzer driver. Also, hilarious. Um, like, seriously, imagine if, imagine if LeBron called his dunk the Woj. Like, whatever, man. But if, like, if, I'm, if I'm booked to work the Bucks... And they tell me they're going to hit me with a Meltzer driver. I'm going to pack my bag, grab my gear, and walk the fuck out. Or imagine if it's Michael Jordan. They're not hitting me with a Meltzer driver. No. You can. I will take the record number. I will break the number, the record number of super kicks in a super kick party. You can do that for me. That's fine. You want to do 99 bottles of super kick on the wall on Jason? Let's do it. I'm not taking that Meltzer driver thing. I'm just no. not doing it. I am not being pinned by Dave Meltzer. Not happening. Hey, Deej, we're going to hit you with the Alvarez stomp. The fuck you are. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> <laughs> if you can catch my car on the way out of here, you're welcome to try. Yeah. So, so yeah. Drivers. So, I mean, and so we'll see. I think we've already seen kind of a softening, at least from the big boys, you know, uh, you know, Hangman, you know, he was never a go-all-out-there-all-the-time kind of guy. Fox, he's still cutting himself and things like that, but he's not. I think they've slowly been moving this direction anyway, and now it's just a fiat from the top saying, all right, this is where we're going. Yeah, and I think, well, part, and the, part of this is, well, they've been reports that Warner Media wants, you know, more content from them, basically. Well, and, yeah, you know, because they're about to be the only thing on TV. Remember the pandemic and how much wrestling cleaned up during that? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I don't know if you know this, but uh, our readers, our readers, listeners at home, the uh, all the actors in Hollywood and all the writers in Hollywood are now officially on strike. So all yeah. of your entertainment is on pause if it is a any way affected by either one of those unions. Yeah. Wrestling is about to be one of the few fresh episode TV shows that you're going to get for the foreseeable future, probably for the rest of the year. Yeah, you're going to get wrestling, reality TV, game shows, sports. And whatever's art was done before everybody, yeah. you know, went on strike. So, yeah. obviously, yeah, you know, Warner Media wants more AEW content, which is awesome for them. Right. You know, it really is. But at some point... Also, hang on. I think it's a good sign for W... If this is really coming from Warner, it's not like an internal thing, which is what we're doing. Okay, yeah, it's probably a bad sign. You probably should have got here anyway. But you can look at this as an opportunity because they're like, hey, you're about to be our only fucking thing that we've got. I mean, not Warner. Obviously, they'll have other things in the fire. They, I'm sure they've got a toe in sports and things like that. But in any case, you're about to be our only thing. We want you to be good friggin' television. So this is what we want you to do because we're about to be behind you for at least a couple of months. So put yeah. out some good TV, please. This is a yes. big opportunity for them. Huge. Right. And the last thing you want to do, this this is the absolute worst time to have 
somebody break out a pizza cutter and you know go to town with my forehead. You know, you know who doesn't want to see the the pizza cutter spot? Nanas and kids. Nanas and kids. Right. Yeah. The kids, nanas don't want to see it unless they're really kind of sick fuck nana, which you know they are out there. Those wrestling nanas are out there. You yeah. sick, you sick fuck. But the ones, the the ones kids, who used to stab people in the in the audience. But <laughs> <laughs> the kids want to see it right until the moment it happens, and then it's like, oh wait, this was a terrible idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's, people need people who are most likely going to be mad about this need to understand that this was this was inevitable. It was inevitable. It was necessary for AEW to grow and evolve beyond what it is. They were going to have to, you know, change with the times. You know, WWE did. You know, if if you know there wasn't pressure from the advertisers and the network and everything else, we probably would still have some attitude era left on WWE TV. But they just there was a point in time, and I know a lot of people blame John Cena for ushering in the PG era, and to his, to a degree, by his own admission. Some of that is true. He he's you know said that there reached a point where he started going out every night and he started seeing more and more kids in the arena. And that's when he was like, well, wait a minute, you know, we need to shift gears here a little bit. We can't keep doing this same raunchy, ridiculous blood and guts shit that we've been doing for the last huh. six years. And <laughs> AEW was going to get there if they were going to remain and survive on TV. This is where we are. And, you know, I, I, the only thing that worries me is the, the caveat in there that if it's approved by one of your coaches, well, how do we know which coaches to trust? Because Tony's not going to look at, a, at a, a 30-year wrestling veteran and say, you know, no, you shouldn't do that, and I don't care what you say. This is what I want him to do. Tony, I don't think Tony's that boss. I think if whoever the coach is at the time, be it Arn Anderson, be it Dean Malenko, be it whoever, if they give it the okay – Tony Khan's just go, okay, if you say so. So, and I think that your your coaches that he has on board right now are going to be a bit more loose with the football with these rules than they would under WWE because Vince had a tighter grip on things for all the right reasons. You know, you can complain about, you know, Vince is creative and Vince is this, Vince is that. But aside from not wanting to get his ass sued off, right. you know, to, to a lesser degree, he did have the talent's best interest at heart. Whereas Tony, I don't think, is is the guy to stand up to anyone and say, no, we really probably shouldn't do that. He's going to want to push it past the line as often as possible because he thinks he's giving the fans something that they want. Now, there are people there are people who already work for that company who already have the kind of philosophy that fits in with this new type of edict. And a lot of them happen to wrestle on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and the main one of that is our friend, Mr. Philip Jack Brooks. For as much as we lament the guy, he's the right guy right now for that company. Uh, yes, because um, I've watched every episode of Collision. It is an entirely different show from Dynamite. Um, and it, I will say it feels like a Saturday night wrestling show. Yeah. The episode I watched like, was really good. Yeah, and it, it is. Like it, late 90s, like. Saturday night wrestling show. Like, I haven't felt a retro feel like that, but it still feels modern, obviously. It doesn't feel old, but it feels retro in the best ways since we first started watching the NWA studio show during the pandemic. Yeah. Like, 
Collision really does have an entirely different feel than than Dynamite. And honestly, because you know, I think a lot of that's because who's not on that show, and that would be the EVPs. Um, yeah. I mean, if you look who's on that show, it's, it's Collision. Uh, say it again. Uh, Cody would be on Collision if this was a different universe. Oh yeah, he absolutely yeah he totally would be. And uh, but it's Punk and Samoa Joe and FTR, and it's people in AEW who are Punk. For people who punk is taking a public liking to like powerhouse Hobbs and you know then andrade and then you know malachi black are basically their saturday guys by their own words um thunder rosa is the same when she she's gonna, supposed to come back soon she's already said she intends to work on saturday um so you know that it's kind of been, it's been kind of splitting up you know on the, on the roster basically there there are the you know, the, there are people basically who are fit more of how people like Punk see their pro wrestling, and then there are people who are more like the, you know, Young Bucks kind of philosophy. Um, and it looks like, you know, the the people who are more in line with what CM Punk would like to do, they may be winning out here. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out in the in the weeks and months to come. Um, do I expect sudden like drastic changes to their programming? Probably not. Um, I mean, with the second show under this new edict being blood and guts, probably not. No. One thing that I'm hopeful for with AEW is that they start telling stories. Um, you know, it, and I'm sure some, if this is a, a studio or a network type thing, they have to be looking at what WWE is doing, at least as a template, as an idea. As like, okay, they've got this bloodline thing over here. They just did a 40-minute segment with Roman Reigns and the bloodline. And aside from there being just like a, a mid-segment beatdown, there was absolutely no wrestling at all. And they drew these many people in to watch it. Right. We had L.A. Knight, who just had a segment. It wasn't even really a match. It was just he wanted to beat up a couple of jabronis real quick. It was, what, a two-minute segment, tops? Yeah, it was a dark segment before the show. So it was a dark probably... segment before the show. And last I checked, it was over a million views. Yeah. It, and, yeah. So, yeah, this is the kind of stuff that you squeeze the juice out of. Somebody's got to be looking at that going, okay, so now that you can't base your match and everything that you're doing on this ridiculous repertoire of moves, now you've got to think outside the box. Now we're going to see where the rubber meets the road, where these workers are like, okay, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do that. What do I do? Well, you get your ass in there and you do what you're supposed to do, which is tell a story. You know, and you don't need a triple lending and 13 triple backflip pile drivers to tell a wrestling story. And we'll we'll see we'll see who rises from this. We'll see who's actually got it when this is all when this all all shakes out. There's a lot of nanas and kids potential here, guys. I hope they realize that. Yeah, because I as much as I may shit talk AEW, I want AEW to survive. I want them to survive. I love the fact that there is another wrestling alternative. Um and you know, I've told you guys this, I don't watch it. If I had cable, I would probably watch it at least extremely casually but for the workers for the people who as i've said before have been to wwe and just hated it and wanted out 
went to WWE, wasn't what WWE was looking for, and they let him go, or for people who are just adamant that they're never going to go to WWE for whatever reason, I want them to have a place to go and get paid and get paid well enough for what they do. And, you know, AEW is providing that. I want that to be there for them as long as, you know, wrestling is a thing, but there have got to be changes. And hopefully we're starting to see them turn the corner here a little bit. And look at it like this. Um, it's a retail product. If you sell, if you're selling vacuum cleaners, you want to get your, you want to be able to sell your vacuum cleaner in every department store, every outlet that sells vacuum cleaners. Mm-hmm. You do not want, you know, Walmart or whoever, Target or whoever to say, hey, you know what, what you, what, you know, your product just ain't going to work here, brother. Um, yeah. You don't want that. Okay. Um, and so in terms of pro wrestling, yeah, you have to have, if you want to, you're on a major cable network, which they are on. If yeah. you want to have more and more pay-per-view content, which WW, which WB is apparently, you know, reportedly asking for more of. Um, then you have to, your product has to, you've got to have a product that you can put in every store. It, you can't have a product where the biggest stores are like, you know what? Not really. Um, yeah. And that's what this is. It's, it's expanding and it's expanding their market, expanding their reach because they've, they've gotten, they're not, they plateaued. They're not going to get any further with the approach that they are currently, that they have been using. They've gotten, that has gotten as far as it is going to go. Yep. And so if you, if they want to any type of growth, any type of movement towards the future, then you have to just, you got to get your product on more shelves. And cause that's really all with, with selling stuff. A lot of it is just putting, getting it on the damn shelf. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's before any outside of any marketing or even how good the product is. You just got to get it on the shelf. Um, and, you know, and, and if you're not playing the exclusivity deal, like, it, you know, AT&T was the only place you could get the iPhone for a while. If you're not playing that game, well, what they do as soon as as soon as they gave it to uh, Sprint, Verizon had it, then T-Mobile had it, then then friggin Cricket had it, then this guy had it, then that guy had it because they were like, OK, now we just got to get it on every shelf. Yep. So I think we'll call the uh, we'll, we'll call it off on this discussion here. I want to see how this shakes out before we get any deeper into the woods. I'm, I'm really interested to see what the discourse is going to be amongst that segment of fans. Boots on the ground reporting coming to you live next week. That's right. Yeah, we've got some boots on the ground. I went to an NXT show over the weekend, a little house show. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, I want to put some things over tonight. One thing I want to put over is an anniversary. Uh, we have been part of the Chair Shot Radio Network now for one full year. Um, one Greg DeMarco from the Greg DeMarco Show and the basically the boss of this whole thing uh, reached out to me about 13 months ago and said, hey, I really, you know, I listen to the podcast. I really dig what you guys are doing. He's like, you guys ought to come and uh, join the network. And, you know, at that point, Rob and I had already been kind of a because I, I started this podcast as an entirely different idea about three years ago. It was July of 20 when I started doing it. And that was, you know, after following Rob on his podcast for a while. And, you know, he turned me on to what was at the time Anchor. And, you know, I started doing my own thing. I sucked on my own. Rob and I had good chemistry. I brought him on board. And then about six months later, Jason came on for like a one-off episode that turned into a two and a half year <laughs> I'm two and a half year thing. 
I'm still, you know, I'm still day to day. Yeah, he's, he's still in the interview. We're still in the honeymoon process here with Jason. Um, but yeah, it's a, like I said, two and a half or actually, yeah, three years of this podcast being a thing. Uh, one full year on the Chair Shot Radio Network. It's That's been an awesome ride. Um, got to meet some really cool people, interact with some just incredibly talented podcasters. Uh, you know, I know Jason's been, inter, you know, been invited on some shows. Rob's been invited on several shows. I've been invited to co-host Bandwagon Nerds, DWI, uh, the Attitude of Aggression podcast, you know, Dave Unger over there. Want to thank, you know, PC Tunney for being a big supporter of this show. He's come on and, you know, guest hosted with us a few times, gotten to be really close with Ray Cash. Uh, and, and, you know, again, thank you to Greg DeMarco for believing in us and, you know, not kicking us off in here. Right. <laughs> so it's been fun. We're looking forward to doing more. Um, yeah. I just, like I said, I wanted to put that over real quick before we get into the next segment. Yeah, I think we've found kind of our stride with the, with the chair shop folks. I mean, we've met a lot of good people, you know, had some fun crossover podcasts and stuff like that. And, you know, the head of creative greg is you know just guiding the ship very uh yeah very calm calmly and so i, I think <laughs> in many ways this podcast has become better since joining the chair shot radio network i mean we were just kind of out there you know i had zero podcasting experience i was like okay podcasting you turn on a mic and you talk it's that simple right well not really <laughs> you know you have to be interesting you have to be engaging and you've got to surround yourself with good people, which thankfully I've been able to do with you and Rob. Um, and it's been, you know, it's been a learning process, it's been a big learning curve and, you know, we continue to grow and, you know, I think we're, I think we're better for it. I mean, we all serve at the pleasure that, uh, excuse me, we uh, serve at the pleasure of the genius. So I think his contribution <laughs> should not be, uh, should not be understated here. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Well, to, to be fair, I wouldn't even be doing this if it wasn't for Rob. Because like yeah, I said, I started listening to Rob's Rob the Genius podcast, and I was like, yeah, I'd kind of like to try that out. Because I had a YouTube channel, you know, 11 years ago. And I was like, you know, YouTube's easy. You get up there, you talk, you vlog. Well, YouTube eventually changed, and that wasn't a thing anymore. But, you know, and then like I said, Rob turned me on to Anchor, and, you know, the rest is history. So, yeah, absolutely. Have Rob to have Rob to thank for all of this. Well, well on that note extending our black lion analogy that the, the wonderful Madeline gave us about Roman Reigns. I mean, it looks like Rob is the, uh, no pun intended, black lion of the uh, mindless <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> you, in the, like, come to you and be like, hey, Jason, what do you think? Me and you do a podcast. I'd be like, DJ, I appreciate you as a friend. <laughs> Thank you very much. But I just don't think people are interested in what we have to say. <laughs> uh, I think Rob creates a perfect balance that that um, he's the uh, what is it the the hot nope not gonna do that he's the whipped cream on top of the Sunday he's just the brings it all together you, you didn't <laughs> want to say anything about a chocolate Sunday ah you know what I instead you call me the whipped cream okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're not exactly getting out of the racial no. hot water there Jason. Uh, Jason, you're burying yourself with the golden shovel, sir. <laughs> I'm, in like, I'm in like a white guy minefield right now. Uh, don't do, try to do analogies. Just don't do it. Just say what you mean. <laughs> but uh, uh, um, and I'd like to just really quick, I want to thank Ray because Ray, um, this was back in 2019, he, he was 
spending like a whole he was hosting everything for like a like a whole week or like a week or two and he he needed people just to come on so he was just like hey uh calling all cars if you want to if you want to be on a podcast this week just let you know let me know and so i said you know he and i talked on twitter you know about stuff and i was like sure i'd like to try it why not um and we ended up doing like a couple of hours talking about kofi kingston and black wrestlers and history and all of that stuff and then you know we yeah, i really enjoyed that and so i came on with him a few other times and so when the pandemic happened you know when I finally got the idea just to go ahead and start trying something myself. But, you know, look, I'm not here doing this without Ray inviting me on. So, you know, um, you know, Ray is essentially, uh, he is the, the Yoda to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's almost like the Agent Coulson of the Chair Shot Radio Network. Right. I was like, he's all over the place. Yeah. Just in general, like, Ray Cash deserves very, very many man behind the curtain kudos. Just yeah. moving in, moving, moving in silence, and and just taking care of the entire goddamn Chairshot Radio Network and beyond. Yeah. So, so again, to all of you that listen from the Chairshot Radio Network, thank you guys not only for your belief in us, your encouragement of us, um, but your inspiration. You know, it's it, all of you. You know, I've picked up something from everybody that I've worked with on the Chairshot Radio Network. And, you know, I think that, I feel like this show is better because of those interactions. Yes, it certainly is. All right, let's jump into another little piece of business here. Uh, Seth Rollins had some comments recently about, there was a period of time in NXT when Vince McMahon was still fully in charge of creative. There, And we've talked about this on this show before, where there were people who were literally... I don't want to use the word terrified, but were terrified to come up to the main roster because they were afraid Vince was going to change their name. Vince was going to change their gimmick. They were going to have to do a slip on the banana peel spot to try and earn a earn a spot on TV. And you know, and while I can understand these are legitimate fears, there are so many people who came from the NXT, the FCW slash NXT um, system, who faced the same fears. And managed to make it work. You know, when I look at WWE's current landscape, I, I would wager to say 90% of that field is either an FCW or an NXT graduate. You know, from Roman Reigns to Seth Rollins to Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, I could go right on down the list all for another hour and probably not cover everybody. And yeah, there have been misses. You know, there have absolutely been misses. Like the Vaude villains were a miss, uh, but... I never thought that was a main roster gimmick anyway, but that's an entirely different story. But there were definitely people who just didn't work out, okay? It just, for whatever reason, whether it wasn't a good fit for them, wasn't a good fit for WWE, it just didn't work out. But every single person who made it work faced the same possibility, that you were going to have to go out and do a wedding cake spot where you took a face bump in the wedding cake, or you were going to get hit in the face with a pie, you know, that, that fear was always there. And, you know, I, it's it's interesting because Seth says he's, he was bothered by that. And so, to me, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to get the full quote in there. Get I the full quote. Because uh, I don't have it very, in front of me. It's a very long quote about the Performance Center and about the, uh, one of the things he talks about. But he talked about going down to NXT and doing that match with Braun. 
Um, Braun was a hell of an opponent. I was really happy to get down there and get in the ring with him and chit-chat with other guys and girls and see what they are experiencing on a day-to-day basis. It was cool. I felt a lot of uh, excuse me. I felt a lot of hunger to get to the the next level. I was happy to see that. We were going through a period with NXT where there was a lot of complacency and people were talking about I'd rather stay in NXT. I don't want to go to the main roster. That always rubbed me the wrong way. When I went down there this past time, I felt a different energy and I felt people were excited to come to the main roster and take their careers to the next level. That got me hyped. Now, that's that's Andy's quote, end quote. Um, he, I just got to say, listen, I want to, we all know the era he was talking about. He was talking about the black and gold era that, you know, 2017. Basically, from as soon as the Undisputed Era showed up to basically about when they left, um, we were in black and gold. So that was the moment that NXT really became its own brand. It wasn't just finishing school. It wasn't just wrestling finishing school. It wasn't just, hey, learn how to wrestle on TV. Triple H made it its own brand. And right, wrong, or indifferent, I posed this to you guys when we were talking about it earlier, and I could tell you, I'm not going to tell you this is how the timeline shook out because I can't remember if this guy debuted when or whatever, but I could see a scenario where Adam Cole shows up at TakeOver, super kicks Drew McIntyre in the face, and goes, man, this is going to be awesome, and the crowd's going crazy. He's on the uh, the awning with, uh, or he's on the thing with um, O'Reilly and the other guy, Kyle... Fish joined fish and o'reilly because kyle joined later um and he does the adam cole baby thing and you know what i bet he was thinking at that moment when his ink was still fresh on the on the the contract man i just super kicked the nxt champion in front of a bunch of people everyone's going crazy i can't wait to do this on monday night raw in a year now let's actually move forward from that moment we're not in wrestling finishing school. We're not just learning, like, hey, this is where the hard game is. This is how we like you to bump. This is how you do this. This is how you do that. All right, get ready. No, we're in a full-blown grab-ass prom- like promotion playing grab-ass with my three best friends in a gang. Meanwhile, again, I'm not going to say this was the same time period. I'm just going to use him as an example because I'm sure there was at least one or two that fit this bill. Apollo Crews goes up to the main roster and does zilch for eight months. All of, We have a bunch of people from that era. So it's not just like, oh, I don't want to leave this fun you know, thing, whatever. It's I'm doing good work down here. I'm putting on good shows. I'm making better money than I was. And I don't want to go up there and have the old man dress me as a French maid. That's where I think people are getting lost, like where Seth, where I'm like, okay, I get it. But I also understand the mentality of the folks who were there at the time and why they would say that. Well, but let me let me rewind you for a minute. Let's talk about Apollo Crews. I'm a big fan of Apollo Crews. We've talked about this guy on the show before. But even during his NXT run, who was Apollo Crews other than really good looking, really great wrestler guy who G shucks is just glad to be here. Yeah. And they gave him a character and he did nothing with it. 
But well, beyond, but before, no, I I was a big fan of the um, Nigerian Prince gimmick. That's and, where he turned the corner. Okay, that's where he turned the corner. But before that, they didn't give him a gimmick. He was still G Shucks, glad to be here, great wrestler guy, Apollo Crews. Now, granted, that guy had one hell of a run against the Hurt Business, but I feel like the Hurt Business was the reason why that was what it was. Because he was still just happy to be here, Apollo Crews. And so I I, I don't, I, I can't say that that's the main roster's fault. I mean, maybe they just didn't give him anything. Maybe this was a, let's see what this guy can do in the ring and just kind of plot him along. And then when they finally gave him the Nigerian Prince gimmick, he knocked it out of the park. So, you know, he proved to them at that point, it's like, okay, if you guys give me something, I can do it. But I, I, I don't know. I, for, like I said, I'm a big fan of Apollo Crews, but until the Nigerian Prince gimmick, he was G shucks. Just glad to be here. Guy. Yeah. Now let me just yeah. say, yeah, go ahead, Rob. Oh, cause well, man, I, well, I agree with Seth in that. Well, my thing is this, um, those guys, they signed there. They didn't sign there to be NXT folks. They they signed them there to be to work on the main roster. And yeah. you knew, I'm sorry. By 2017, the, the developmental thing had been going for a while. <laughs> it was not a new thing. You had seen people go to the main roster and succeed. You'd seen people go to the main roster and fail. If you sign there at that point, then you know does. <clears throat> You weren't going into the great unknown here. Um, yeah. Because like, there were people like like Sammy came in like in 2012. Kevin Owens came in in 2014. Right. And yeah, they come from Ring of Honor. Seth came from Ring of Honor. It was like what, 2011, 2012. They could honestly say that they, that they weren't sure what they're getting into. Okay. But by 2017, you had seen them. And you had also seen people like Apollo Crews who got stuff on the main roster. You'd all, you know, you've seen both. So having seen both, you know, you then you know that it, it can look, it can go either way when you go up there. But what did you come there for? Um, and as far as the, you know, don't want to deal with Vince or don't want to deal with Vince's this, that, or the other, Vince McMahon has always owned that company. Um, if, you really thought you, I mean, you knew that, okay? You you knew that. So, you. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid Vince will do this or that. Vince owns the company. Vince has always owned the company. And so, we, you, know what, you know what it is. I'm sorry. Every, if we as fans know what it is, then people who have worked there, and those guys are all buddies. Kevin Owens is buddies with all of those guys. Let's, we're not going to sit here and pretend that they don't talk to each other. Right. Um, so, you know what it is, and you chose to sign there. Okay. Well, just, and, go ahead, so, Rob. I'll let you sorry. finish. I'm sorry. I mean, this is not – you weren't drafted there. This is not the NFL where you get where if you get drafted by a sucky organization, you just got to go play there. Okay. Right. This isn't that. Okay. You, you didn't have to sign to go work for WWE. And now, especially – and look, in today – you definitely don't have to sign there if you're afraid of anything. Um, but even then, look, look, you didn't have to sign there. And if you're going to tell me, well, the only way I can succeed in this business is if conditions go exactly this certain way, well, then you might be in the wrong line of work. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the core of his point is still true, though, that, like, obviously what he felt from the environment is I can't even argue with that because he's, you know, former world champion Seth Rollins and I'm Bobo the Clown. But, like, okay, so he goes down there and says, I have a different vibe and down there, that's great. But also, like, we can see it on television. There's more synergy between NXT and the main roster. Even before this most recent, like, real, like, with people going down and going up. But that's, that hasn't, actually, that's not that new with folks. Carmelo coming up and going down and, you know, that thing going back. <clears throat> that's not new, but it it's new-ish in the last couple of years. Right. But they've changed the vibe so that, I mean... As much as he says, like, okay, yeah, there was a vibe that everyone, you know, there was a vibe that no one wanted to leave NXT, and that rubbed me the wrong way. And then I went down to NXT next this time, and I feel way better about NXT. Well, Seth, I think you answered your own question, Bubba. I think, you know, and I'm going to kind of build upon Rob's point of people knowing what they're getting into before they get so many people. They go there, they leave. Oh, it wasn't what I thought, you know, this and that. And I'm, Shut up, you knew. We knew back in 1997, 98 when I was in the business. You know, I had one of the most ridiculous gimmicks in the world. I, my friend Eddie was Fast Eddie, the pizza delivery guy, and I was his manager, Guido. And we got over, and it was big, and it was a fun thing for us to do. I know for a fact if we had gotten picked up by WWF at the time, or even WCW, they would have taken that pizza guy gimmick to the nth degree. We would have been doing pizza skits of some type or another on TV. We would have been the comedy act. And we knew this then because we knew that's what they put on TV. You know, and, and as long as you're doing that, and, and this is the company that hired you, if you want to work for them, you're going to do what they hired you to do. And so many people take this serious wrestler shit way too seriously that they're almost offended by the slip on the banana peel slots that they get put into They're te- and some of them are terrified of it you know and meanwhile you're getting paid probably 10 times more than you would have been paid you know at the indies to do your serious wrestler gimmick I, I i cannot for the life of me wrap my head around people who've signed for a company and pretend they don't know what they were getting into when we knew damn near 30 years ago yeah, it's it's. I mean, that's it. But I again, I just Seth getting all butt hurt that people didn't want to leave NXT. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm sorry that NXT was really fucking cool for for a while. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, just, I enjoyed NXT Black and Gold. I like. I bleed Black and Gold to this day. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, your your end game should be to get to the main roster, one way or another. But, that's right. Then we're saying this now in the context of Seth's quote, and I'm sure we would have said that about the Undisputed Era. It's like, okay, I want to see them on the main roster, but when they are in the moment having this awesome time being the kings of NXT, and it's like, oh, do, do, you, just, do you just know in your jellies that we're going to go up there and we're going to be feuding with the club and we're going to be feuding with the bloodline or whatever, whoever at that time? You know, and we're just going to be this one unit. Do you, do you just feel like that? They're like, yeah, that's totally going to happen. No, well, I mean, there's no guarantees. Look at Sanity. When they brought Sanity up, I was like, okay, this is cool. I like Sanity. 
this could work on the main roster, and it lasted less than three months. Right. It's true. So, I mean, there's no guarantees, even with the insanity, aside from just being a bunch of ridiculous lunatics, was a quote-unquote serious wrestling gimmick. Right. And it still didn't didn't amount to a hill of beans. Nikki Cross is the only one who survived that. Right. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. Kevin Owens like, could have been dead in the water. Kevin Owens is not a body guy. He, thankfully for him, he's really freaking good in the ring and he can talk. You know, he's believable. Because you look at what Vince typically likes to put at the top, you know, top upper mid card. Kevin Owens doesn't fit that mold. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just my own personal taste because I'm with you, DJ. Like NXT, NXT Black and Gold is my kind. It's I've said it on this show before. I'll say it again. They got they got and get right to the line of indie rific where I like it. Yeah, they get right. Uh, sometimes there was a period of time during yeah. that 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 golden Johnny, era of NXT, they were my favorite WWE product. Johnny and Tommaso would tiptoe over the line a time or six, but uh, other than that, uh, my personal line anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that that's what I'm saying. Like I get, again, I don't want to be this wrestling fan and this honk and this whatever, but I'm sorry, that era of black and gold was something special. I'll put that era of takeovers up against anything that we watch right now. I was like, is it better? Is it worse? No, whatever. But is it just as good? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, again, NXT was doing something kind of special at that point. And so I understand feeling that way at the time. And, you know, Adam Cole might look back at it and good now and be like, damn, I should have left NXT a year before I, before I, you know, left the company or whatever like that. Yeah. But you know, in the moment when you're playing grab ass with your buds and holding gold and being the man. Yeah, obviously. And then again, same with Tommaso and Gargano. Like they weren't, you know, they were winning championships, too, and stuff. But they were, whether they were or not, they were kings down there. So, I get it. You want to stay, uh, you know, I people get comfortable. And not even that you're comfortable. It's, I'm really doing something special down here. I don't want to ruin it. So, that's just my two cents. All right. Rob, you got any parting thoughts on this? Uh, no, I guess just, not really, just to me, you know, you go there to be in the major leagues. Um, you, you know, and not wanting to go up to the, the major league, you know, kind of tells me you might be lacking in some self-confidence or something. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah. like that's, that's not the place to go to be lacking in self-confidence. Um, and even though there are people, there are people there to this day who still have, you know, aren't, don't feel don't think they're the greatest or whatever, but that's not the place to go for that. Um, and yet, yes, it's a risk. It absolutely is a risk uh, going there. But I guess to me, like, why go there and not take the risk? I mean, if, 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 you, if, if you don't want to take the risk, why did you go there? Yeah. Well, and, and so many people need to get over their own ego. I will always defer to The Miz in these types of discussions because The Miz has been the slip on the banana peel guy and Miz has been the most dead serious of wrestlers when they've needed him to be. He has been an absolute chameleon for WWE and 
he he's proof that you can do the dumb schlocky stuff and then still go out there and have a serious wrestling match and still make a lot of money, still be relevant and marry a hot babe, you know? Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I just kind of feel like like at some point that you're going there to take, you're going there to take that risk because if it pays, if it works, then you'll, you'll be super rich and you might get opportunities to do other things that you never thought you would get to do. You get to meet people you thought you never would meet before if everything breaks right for you. And to me, that's why you go there. Um, otherwise, I mean, if you if, if it's just about doing matches or whatever, then there are other places you can go or you could stay. But to me, you go there to take that chance of I mean, something else happening. Of, at that point, no, there wasn't. 2017 what was on television impact uh, okay I, now i'll give you that but then but then but like i said before then you gotta when they're the only game in town you really gotta play ball oh either that or, or you know what look no i they, don't they're paying me six figures to to play grab ass in nx in in jackson or jacksonville or orlando well, that's but, the thing though i don't think they were paying anybody down there at that time six figures a year well my well my thing is just is that look that career is not for everybody and yeah you know and it very you know what it may be for you up to a certain point and then but and past that certain point then you know what maybe it's not for you i mean you you i mean you have to think about that um and there are people there look byron saxton they told him hey man this wrestling thing we don't see it for you in the ring but dude and i mean they told him that flat out and he had to find another way. He want he had to find another way to stay in the business. He did. Yeah. Um, so I think it's worked out well for him too. Byron's incredible. I think I think he's a lot happier now than if he if he had been like a, a jobber or something for ten years. If he had remained trying to wrestle, Byron Saxton would have been gone six years ago. Yeah. Um, so that's just I mean sometimes that's what it is. Sometimes people go to the NFL and they want to play wide receiver and they, they you know. You can't play wide receiver for us. You can play special teams. You can return kicks. And and some people say, okay. And they return kicks. And, and then some people say, you know what? This football thing ain't for me. Julian Edelman had to go from being a quarterback at Kent State to being a wide receiver. He figured it out, but that's a hell of a change. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, so I played Little League Baseball with a kid who was a hell of a pitcher. Hell of a pitcher. He, he was easily one of the two. We, we had this kid, Tommy Strain, and uh, on our team who, who could wing it, man. He, he was a hell of a pitcher. And then Lewis Jones. Lewis Jones was a pitcher. He wanted to pitch, wanted to pitch. is what he wanted to do. And one of, his, uh, one of his high school coaches said, no, you're a catcher. He said, I don't want to be a catcher. He put him a catcher. Guess where that kid made his money? At the catcher position. Yeah. And look, I mean – Look, there's a guy who won. Well, no, that's a bad example. But like Washington drafted Devin Howard. He was, you know, and he completely washed out at wide receiver. He accepted being a kick returner. And if a kick returner ever makes it to the, he, you know, he was Super Bowl MVP as a kick returner. Okay. And basically, look, if he wanted to stay in the league, that's what he had to do. So he did it. Um, so some of these folks, yeah, I mean, yes, everybody would love to be, would love to go to NXT. And move up to the main roster and be Roman Reigns. Okay, everybody would love to do that, or even to be Kevin Owens, right? Um, 
it's not going to be it for everybody. And, you know, you have to make a decision. But, you, I mean, playing woe is me when you knew what you were getting into. For me, it's just, you know, it's a bit much. And so, I mean, said, said something sometimes where he has to end up putting his foot in his mouth. I don't think this is one of them. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'd play devil's advocate on is, you know, the point Jason was trying to make is some of these folks are in NXT and they're regulars on TV. They're probably making more money than they've ever made in their lives um, on the indies. And they're doing it, doing something they love. Now, they may not be making the big money main main roster contract. But again, this is where the self-confidence comes in. And this is more of an indictment on them than the company. If they're complacent enough to say, you know what? I'm making dollars $60,000 a year here. My apartment's a mile down the road. I can ride my bike to work. I've got food and shopping within a five-mile radius because I'm in Orlando. You know, I can spit and hit a grocery store. You know, it, it, that's not a bad life when you're used to bagging groceries just to pay for your wrestling, you know, habit. So it, it's very understandable where some of these people would say, you know what? I'm making good enough money. I'm surviving. I'm living okay. I'm good with this. But again, that's not an indictment on the company. That's an indictment on you if you're, again, we get back to complacency, which is the word he used. They're happy with the status quo. And the status quo was, I'm all right down here. And that's what he had a problem with. like, don't you desire for more? Don't you think you have what it takes to go further to reach higher, and I, I, I respect that, and I, I, I identify with that. And yeah, look, look, all the people at the top tier of that company, they all have an extreme level of self confidence to the point where they probably all look. They all got a little egomaniac in them. Okay, you have to. Everybody, in top, everybody in the top spot in that company, even the ones who appear to be the nicest people in the world, they have. If nothing else, they have a very high opinion of themselves within the confines of they do for a living. Okay. And you kind of, you have to. And to the point where some people, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are people who think Seth Rollins is delusional. You know, yes. Um, And the same for, you know, and for Roman and for Charlotte and the other people. Yes, I'm listening to them talk sometimes. I'm sure there are people like, oh, that's easy for you to say. But, (laughs) um. But you got to have, I mean, if you're going to work there, you, and if you want to get to, if you want to have, if you want to get to the top there and you want to work there, then you have to kind of, you got to have some of that mentality. Yep. All right. Well, why don't we go into the last segment of the show here and uh, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit of stuff other than AEW and WWE. Of course, I'm going to lean a little bit into the NXT. Rob, MLW had a pay-per-view recently? Uh, yes, it was this past weekend, um, and it was called Never Say Never, and this was their first major show in almost four years. Um, they got hit really bad by COVID, I mean, because they're, they had to shut everything down for a while, and then when they did try to come back, they were taping in this little rinky-dink-looking TV studio kind of thing, and, you know, and it, it was not very good at all, and... And then prior to COVID, you know, one of their rising stars, MJF, got plucked away by Tony Khan. So, I mean, they lost somebody who would have been, you know, a big deal for them now. Um, so they got hit really hard. 
and they have not, you know, they hadn't, have not run a major show in it's almost four years. So this was their first major show. So I figured, yeah, why not? Uh, and there was a lot of good stuff there. Um, there was a, I thought the best match on the show was uh, Jacob Fatu and Calvin Tankman. They were two big boys, and they were just throwing down and just hit each other with everything. And it was it was a really good hoss fight kind of match. And uh, we saw uh, Timothy Th- Thatcher, who was a part of NXT Black and Gold. Uh, he had a he was wrestling a guy Tracy Williams, who was a guy from Ring of Honor. And they had a really good technical match going for about eight minutes. And then Thatcher got legit concussed. Oh. And they stopped because um like they you know they stopped everything and the referee came and checked on him and you know he threw up the X and he just you know for a while he was just kind of sitting there. Wow. And then he finally got up and he started walking back to the back and, and you could just he had that loopy look on his face. And lights were on, but nobody was home. Yeah. Wow. But we, I mean, but we know, look, uh, you know, Thatcher, he lays everything in and he goes, you know. He goes full bore, man. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a part of me that would love to see a Thatcher-Dragonoff match, but oh. I'd be terrified for both of those guys. <laughs> yeah. Because neither one of them knows where the goddamn line is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, and then, uh, now there was, now, look, I'm no fan of, you know, deathmatch kind of stuff, but they had one here. Uh, this was Mance Warner against Sam Adonis, and it was, well, it was it was a country whipping match. So they both started out with these little small straps, and first of all, they were laying it in heavy with the straps. They were hitting each other hard with those things, but yeah. then it it moved over into like no DQ extreme match kind of territory. And this is one thing. Okay, they did something that made sense. Um, one of them went under the ring and got a toolbox, but it but it was a toolbox that was under the ring that was put there by the guys who set up the ring. Yeah. So it made sense for it to be there. And they grabbed some of the extra boards, you know, that are under the mat from under the ring. Again, stuff that it made sense to be there. Yeah. And it was, you know, they were using those things for weapons. And again, this was stuff that it made sense to have laying around the ring. Just wasn't like when there's a trash can with full of barbed wire or something that just happens to be the ringside, you know. <laughs> the so, one but, time on WWE TV, they were doing a <laughs> test of strength for Braun Strowman, and he opened it up a toolbox in the back, and there just happened to be a grappling hook because you need a grappling <laughs> hook at a wrestling show, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, come on. That wasn't the test of strength. That was when he tried to kill Roman Reigns. They no. tried to kill him and Brett's when he pulled the uh, the – the thing down on him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He pulled the whole goddamn set down on him. <laughs> Fucking yeah. grappling. Grappling. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I don't care. That spot was awesome. Oh, it was awesome. But I remember watching that. I'm going, why is there a grappling? Because <laughs> yeah. there's rigging and shit all around. What did he pull? He pulled down a giant thing of rigging. You know, there's yeah. ropes. There's... I don't have to explain shit, DJ. You're, you never rigged a light wire. Okay? You've never rigged a camera... Like boom arm or anything, you don't you don't know how to grapple. I don't gotta explain shit to you, okay? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, well, the and the well, the biggest thing was the main event. Um, you know, Hammerstone, we we talked about a good bit here. He was he's been he was champ he's been champ over two years. He was defending against guy Alex Kane, and um, Alex Kane is kind of well, he's I think he he does some indie stuff, but he's mostly a homegrown guy there. 
And he's called uh, the Suplex Assassin. So he does a whole lot of different suplex variations. And he has this kind of group he's put together called the Bumbay Fight Club. And it's the aesthetic is kind of it, it's kind of reminiscent of the nation of domination, except, you know, not with the rhetoric, but it's the kind of slogan is Bumbay is for the people. And there's been this thing where there's a question, well, who's funding this organization? And so we found out at the show and it, it was none other than Don King. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, the, the Don King. Wow. Um. So and he does his little video. And he's like, I want you to bring the title back to me. Da, 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 you know. And of course, that'll probably one off. We'll probably never see him again, right? But, but they got him to make this appearance. That's that's awesome. <laughs> and so. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And so they had to match, and this was in Philadelphia at the 2300 Arena, and they said it was sold out. For So for them, selling out the 2300 Arena is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, okay. Awesome. And it was in Philly. Now, Hammerstone, was, he'd become kinda, he had become a babyface over the years. But this was Philly. This was ECW country. So they were booing him. Oh, heel and, town. Heel town. <laughs> yeah. So they, they were um, – they were – and – so, I mean, they had a good match, and surprise, surprise, Alex Kane tapped him out to win the championship. Really? They took it off a of Hammerstone, huh? Yeah. Interesting call. Done. Done. Did he do anything interesting after the match? Uh, no. And there weren't any reports about him doing any curtain call kind of stuff. Um, okay. But, of course... I mean, losing that way, I have no idea what his contract status is, but, of course, that will raise questions. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, in, in our quick little wrestling, what's going on in the rest of the wrestling world here? So, what was that main event again? Please name again for me the participants and the stakes. Okay, it was uh, Alexander Hammerstone was the MLW World Champion. He was defending against Alex Kane, the Superplex Assassin. Okay. And two days at Slammiversary, we have Diana Peraza defending against. Oh uh, yes, and yes, and yes. And at, well, we'll get there, but I just want because I'm, I'm building to something. Okay. We have all this. We have these things going on. We have wrestling in a beautiful fucking place right now. We have, and of course, all of this happens under the tree and the watchful gaze of our, of course, our tribal chief. Who ushered in the golden era of wrestling? Now, I'm so we have dragged the tribal chief has dragged the rest of the wrestling world kicking and screaming onto the island of relevancy, and one infantile-looking man stands in his way because the main event of NWA '75. Oh boy. Tyrus. Why you got to do this? The World Championship against Ethan Carter the 3rd. <laughs> Put that out there. I just need to get that out there that like wrestling is in a beautiful awesome amazing spot. <laughs> and then there's NWA. NWA. <laughs> arguably unless it's WWE arguably the most like cherished ancient wrestling property we have left. So, yeah, that's going on. Good job, Billy. 
Yeah, that's a whole discussion. That is some yeah. some cocaine snorting nonsense. You know when you look at when you look at Brodus Clay and oh. say, "Yeah, that's the guy." I mean, B- Billy, Billy. At this Billy. point, I hope Tony buys you. At this point, Tony, Billy, Billy. At one point, you had Ricky Starks and L.A. Knight working for your. Yeah. Company. At one point, you had both of them working there at the same time. Either they yeah. could be, they, they could be your main event. Imagine having that as a main event instead of Tyrus and EC3. R- R- Ricky Starks, as pleasant, presently constitu- constituted, versus LA Knight, as presently constituted, is a far and away, is a WrestleMania main event compared to Tyrus and fucking EC3. <laughs> Unreal. Like, uh, and he's asking for money for that match. Yes. Like he's actually charging people. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. For this match. My, my old heads. I'm gonna let you guys take a take a few bows here and and flex your knowledge. Name some of the legends that have walked through the doors of of NWA and held that title. Ric Flair, Harley, Harley Race, Terry Ooh. Funk, Dusty Rhodes. Did Sting ever actually hold it? Oh uh, yes, you did. Yeah, he did. Sting did. Yeah. Yes. Sting held it. I'm like, and and this is not this is not NWA blood and guts. This is NWA seventy five. Um, now is this their seventy fifth episode of their show? I hope so. <laughs> no, it's not. I, They're celebrating a lineage that they realistically have absolutely no, no stake in. I mean, just not, you want me to? Do you guys want to know? Uh, actually, is this? You guys will correct me if this is true, if no true or not. But the NWA World Title that Rick held and those guys held, isn't that in the WWE title now? Because it was in the WCW title. The lineage attached to it became what the big gold belt became. If I'm not wrong, Rob. Um, I I don't. I don't, um, and I don't think it is in the lineage to the okay. WWE titles, not because then I think they, they, they created the world title and then they used the big gold belt. But yeah, I mean, that's because Hunter's a Ric Flair mark. I mean, well, my understanding was there was the NWA and WCW <clears throat> World Championship Wrestling was an NWA TV show. Yeah, it wasn't branded WCW. It was there. It was World Championship Wrestling was the name of their TV show. And then I think when Ted Turner bought it out, he created. Um, he didn't buy out NWA. He bought what exactly did he buy, Rob? Uh, he bought Jim Crockett and Jim. Crockett, he bought Jim Crockett's promotion. And Jim Crockett's promotion was called World Championship Wrestling. Okay. Okay. And so, then, and then they split. The, they split from the NWA as an organization. And then they just became WCW. And then now why they split from NWA, I'm not sure. But um, so then for so they were just WCW. So and all, but they kind of claimed the same. Well, they they claimed the same lineage to the NWA World Title, even though it wasn't that's it. where the water gets a little muddy. So yeah. apparently, just looking at the chart, I'm talk, I'm looking at the everything the world heavyweight wrestling championship from 1905 1957 was merged with the nwa world heavyweight championship which had in 1948 which had three splinter titles 
He apparently WWF WWF World Heavyweight Championship, the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, and the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. So that I don't, I would have to get the detail on how the Splinter Title thing works. Cause oh, because promoters really disagree with each other because it used to like everything used to be the NWA and it was like a big cartel basically. Yeah. And then so Vince Senior and some of his guys they got pissed off and went and did their own thing and then Vern Gagne got pissed off and then he went and did the AWA um and that's how you ended up with those other companies basically okay so that that title never actually went out like so those they they are counting those titles as being birthed from the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship not united with later correct got it okay there you go but yeah we get Tyrus and EC3 for the NWA World yeah. Which and and they're charging money for that. Look, Billy, look, look, shoot, you might as well have the three of us have a triple threat match for the NWA World title. It'll be probably just as good. Uh, honestly, DJ could probably quarterback us through something better than than uh than you get from Tyrus and he's and Ethan it's Tyrus. been a long time, but if you guys just listen to me and do what I tell you to do, I could probably get us through a five to ten minute match. Tell you what, this, there'd be eight. There'd be eight minutes of that in some kind of rest hold, but I can, I can, <laughs> one of us would have to powder out, and one of us would have to throw the other one in like a chin lock for eight minutes, and well, then call to go home. Here's the deal: it's for our first wrestling match. We really shouldn't have a triple threat. So I will be magnanimous, and I will bow out, and I will become the advocate for one Rob the Genius. Okay. <laughs> I can dig that. I, I can do the underdog thing here. I'm punching up anyway. I think Rob's. I think Rob's easily got eight inches on me in height. <laughs> oh, God. This would be, yeah, this would be like the worst. Did I just lose you? This would be like the worst thing ever. <laughs> we we've just booked our own. We've booked our own pay per view match here. Me against Rob with Jason playing special special enforcer for Rob. Look, it, it'd be like one more look. It, oh man. You know, it'd be like one of those football games where one of the linemen is like, they ask him, was he hurt? He's like, no, he's just tired. <laughs> <laughs> I do a little dosey do around the ring, throw a couple of throw a couple of working punches. I can turn around, jaw at Jason. Rob can hit me with the avalanche. <laughs> Take it home. <laughs> We're done. Rob <laughs> will get Irish whipped once. Bounce back off the ropes. Come back to our corner, and he'll be leaning in the corner. I'll be like, Rob, Rob, okay, take a breath. Rob, I didn't know your face could turn that color. Rob? <laughs> Jesus. Meanwhile, I'm hobbling around the ring on two bad knees. What a shit show. <laughs> God. Again, still could be, still could get more stars. Than Tyrus and EC3. Oh, I promise you, we could. I promise you, I could get more stars out of out of Rob and I than than those guys are going to get. I don't know if it's going to be a better wrestling match, but the three of us could put on some damn better sports entertainment. Than <laughs> That's a fact. Uh, oh my god! So, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. So just. The only other thing that I want to talk about was, again, and I know every couple of months, you know, I talk about this. NXT did the loop around here over the weekend, had another great show. And what I like about these NXT shows is everyone feels different. 
Like we've probably seen five or six of these now. And some nights it's wrestling, some nights it's sports entertainment, some nights it's a little bit of both. Uh, this weekend uh, was probably more wrestling than anything else. There were some little sports entertainment spots. But one thing that I liked was they were still trying to play off of what you see on TV because we had um, we had stacks in a match against Idris Anofi. And the funny thing about that was I was having a hard time figuring out who the heel was. I'm watching the match, and Idris is definitely wrestling heel, but Stax was playing the heel in all the pre-match stuff. Because if you watch on TV, I guess that you know they were trying to. Now they finally freed Tony D'Angelo on Tuesday night. Yes. But I guess they've been trying to do the thing to free Tony D'Angelo. Uh, Idris Sanofi and Malik Blade were supposed to win the NXT Tag Team Championships, and Stax kind of screwed them out of that. So that's what this was built off of. But it's it's hard to say, you know, Idris was supposed to be the heel, but Idris Sanofi is over in Melbourne, Florida. Like, that dude gets a loud pop every time he shows up there, and Malik Blade's not far behind him. So they had a really good match. Uh, Stax snuck a win out on that one. Um, there was a match with uh, Jakar Jackson and Ivy Nile, a really good match. Um, you can tell Jakar's still just a little green. Ivy's still... I, you can definitely tell they're getting them on the roadshow loop to kind of get the reps in because, you know, Ivy had mostly been just kind of the muscle for Diamond Mine for so long. And now they're finally starting to let her cook a little bit. And I like what I'm seeing. I think Jakara, once she settles into a persona of her own, I think she's going to be really, really, really good. Uh, you know, Tina made a comment. She's like, OK, she's really good looking. She's really athletic. She's like, but her overall personality is the same as half the other women's roster that we watch wrestle. And I was like, okay, I can't disagree with that. She's got a unique look, but the personality itself has got to find itself. But again, this is why it's developmental. Again, good match for what it was. Ivy Nile took the win on that one. Uh, Josh Briggs teamed up with Malik Blade. Um, and then the storyline here was Josh's partner. I always forget the other guy's name. Um that one it's supposedly he was at the bar and he couldn't get him away from the bar so they teamed up against uh god what are these guys they just debuted on nxt last night lucian and or not last night tuesday night tag team i I believe they're spanish at some point i don't know if they're mexican puerto rican or what but uh the one guy's name is lucian i forget the other guy's name but they they were in a tag match against them really really good match i like these two guys they are a couple big hosses and one thing that I like, Josh Briggs, again, is over like crazy with the kids in Melbourne, Florida. So it's pretty cool to see that. A um, couple of, there was a tag match. I can't remember who the girls were in that one. Uh, I, and I'm embarrassed by that because it was actually a pretty good women's tag match. Uh, Braun Breaker wrestled. I cannot for the life of me remember this kid's name, but he's from Singapore. Um, and it was interesting because it ended up being a 50-50 booked match. Like, I'd never seen this kid before in my life. Like I said, I can't even recall his name. I thought this was going to be the squash match of the night, and they went out there and had about an eight, about an eight-minute, 50-50 booked match. And, you know, Braun Breaker finally won with a hell of a, a hell of a spear. God, he speared him out of his boots, I swear. And then main event was um, <clears throat> we had Carmelo Hayes versus uh, Joe Coffey, which was a really, really good match. And that match came after uh, Gallus wrestled... Chase you, Andre Chase, and uh, Duke Hudson. Uh, minus Theo Hale. I was a little disappointed that Theo wasn't there. This is the first time we've gone out there that Theo wasn't there. 
But uh, yeah, all in all, man, solid show. It's, I, I can't tell people enough. If NXT comes to your area, for me, it's the only complaint that I have. This is the only complaint, and I don't still don't know how this happened. We paid for ringside seats, and we were ringside where the entryway is for the wrestlers. We were like right on the corner where they come out on that side of the ring. So we got there, we got our seats, we sat down, and about five minutes before bell time, I went to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom, and when I came back, my entire crowd of people was all the way in the back row on the same side. I'm like, looked at my friends, I'm like, okay, what happened here? And he's like, I don't know, this other guy showed up, and he had front row tickets too, and you know, we ended up having to move. I'm like, why did we have to move? And you know, my friend's like, well, he's here. And I let it breathe because the guy was there with like three kids. One of them was his first NXT show. I was like, you know what? I'll let the kids have the front row. But at the same time, I was like, we paid for fucking front row seats, buddy. You know, yeah. front row seats were twice as much as regular other seats. Yeah. And like I said, that's the only thing. I don't know how that happened. Um, I don't know if it's something to do in the sales process or the way they lined all the chairs up. I don't know. It was what it was. But all in all, we still had a good time at the show. I, I cannot stress enough. NXT shows are one of the best value for your dollar. It was 20, 21, 22 bucks for ringside, 10, 11 bucks for everybody else. Yeah, NXT out shows are very fun. I haven't been to one in a long time since they, obviously they stopped touring and stopped doing, you know, the big, big loops. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I really hope that they branch out into the rest of the country because I feel like other people need to see this show. It's really good stuff. You get to see some people that you don't normally see on TV because they are getting their reps in. A lot. We've had a lot of the big stars. We repeatedly, while she was still the thing, we had Mandy Rose and Toxic Attraction were the main event on three separate occasions. We've had Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Wesley's been there. Um, just all the top stars. You know, it's not like you're getting, you know, th- th- there was one show where we had one, maybe a handful of top stars, but then the rest of the card was people who were clearly developmental. And it was still a fun show. But for the most part, man, these loops, they get the, they get the top stars out there. It's a really good time. It's really up close and personal. And, you know, they, they, some of the folks look that they've got time in between. Like Josh Briggs was signing autographs right after his match. And then the last time we were there, we were sitting on his corner – for the tag team match. And he came in, there was a bunch of kids by us. And finally he had to look at the kids. He's like, look guys, I'll be back later. Just stay here. I'll be back later. I got to go. Cause you got to clear out for the next match. So, uh, so just fun time and absolutely good time. Uh, shout out. To Josh, cause he's, Josh has done some indie shows around here. And uh, he, you know, he, he worked a lot with some of the indies around here, particularly beyond and a few others. And every time we went to the show, I mean, we only saw him like twice, I think. Um, but I remember both times he was really, really cool with my nephew, and he uh, uh, that was the my one of my most famous stories where Josh Brig almost landed in my lap. So. Yeah, he he's he really is like I wasn't a big fan of their gimmick, but I'm becoming a bigger fan of him just in seeing the way he interacts with people at these little NXT house shows. Um, I was like at one point, the time before last. While he had a free minute, he was talking with us because we were like ringside right on their corner and he talked to us for a minute. And then when the kids came there, he was just right over there for the kids after the match. It was really cool to see. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, he, get, he gets it, man. He does. He gets it. Yeah, I would, I would go back on the road. I wish they would too, man. I think there's some really good stuff going on with NXT right now. 
And, you know, if they get back out there, I strongly encourage anyone who likes NXT or just likes a good wrestling show, go check it out. It's good stuff. And it it plays off of what they're doing on TV while still maintaining a this is definitely for this crowd type of feel. There you go, man. Yeah. They, they rank, they, the ones I've been to were just really, really, really fun, well-produced indie shows. You know that's what they felt like. So if you, yeah. if you uh, DJ's right, if it if it at all comes by your area, yes, get a ticket. All right, well, gentlemen, unless we've got anything else, I think we can wrap it up there. I am good, Mister Rob. Yeah, I think I think we're good here this week. All right, well, guys, you have been listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the Chair Shot Radio Network. You can find us again on thechairshot.com, where we encourage I, you to always I, use your I, head. Something. I forgot something. I What'd you forgot? going to say. Uh, so the thing I was telling you gentlemen yesterday and the other members in our little wrestling group chat, uh, my wife and I looked at our, the hotel that we got for WrestleMania Philly. A few We reserved our few two hotel a few months ago. It is up $300 over what we reserved it for. If you're if, going to Philly, you better do it now because it's just going to get more expensive. If you're at 99%, 95%, figure out what's going to get you to 100 or what's going to get you to zero because it's only going to get more painful after this. Yeah, we're not going to make Philly this year. We've had a lot of things happen in the last couple of months that have cost us a bit of money. That was going to be my WrestleMania money. Uh, so unfortunately, 40 in Philly is going to be out. Hopefully 41, wherever it's going to be, is going to be, you know, which will ironically be my first WrestleMania. I'm embarrassed to say that, but get your passport ready. I've got a passport, Bubba. It c- could be, could be. I mean, okay. I imagine it's that far down the road if if uh if John went out there and did his thing. I yeah. imagine it's in, in the next five. I, I don't know how long it takes to get from Ireland to to England, but my friends in Ireland, I could probably crash with. There you go. Save on uh, save on some hotel and i just have to pay airfare and tickets yes. awesome it's just just another it's a five thousand dollar vacation what the hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. all right before we get out of here i want to invite you to go over to pro forward slash the chair shop from there you can pick through the many many awesome chair shop radio network t-shirts including the very own mindless wrestling podcast t-shirt which i am sporting tonight Fun little design that my friend over in Ireland uh, came up with for me. Uh, it, it definitely speaks to the WWE drone in all of us. Go check that out. Go pick one up for yourselves. Anyway, I'm going to wrap back around the room and thank my co-host, starting with from the Rob the Genius podcast. Mr. Rob, fun night tonight, sir. Yes, it always a pleasure. And Bucky's tag team partner, Jason, sir. Another good show. I, I Oh, man, I came up with it. I came up with a really good point a second ago. All right, this is a coda for our first topic, and I how I wanted to say, hey, AEW nerds, look at this as a good thing. I mean, there's two ways of going about that. How how long was their contract for with TV? I think I had one more year. Yeah. This edict is coming about about a year before the contract is up. Play ball. Yep. Shut yep. up about it. Let it happen. <clears throat> If you want your your AEW to be on television, you better 
be really excited. That you you should be like you should be telling Mox to put the put the blade in the pocket. You should be like no 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 Meltzer drivers unless it's on pay per view. You know you should be very happy about this because if they're taking an interest in this way that they're that means that they're not just gonna let them fall on their faces. That means they care. So that's good. So so yeah. I'm, I'm I'm being nice to AEW. Stop it. End the show. Get out. Get us out. Okay. Go let's 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 go home. All right. Thanks again for listening. For all the years that you've listened to us, and for the last 12 months here on the Chairshot Radio Network. Remember, you can call it pro wrestling. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring. And we're out of here till next week. <laughs>